Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's always a pleasure for you to take the time to listen to us today. And I always want to make sure to give a shout out to our executive producer, Andre Settle, Subtle Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. Today, we have a great one on the call. We have certified career coach, counselor, licensed mental health professional, CEO of Claim the Lead podcast host, Tina Everett, joining us all the way from Denver, Colorado. Hey there, Tina. Hey, Ted. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to spend time with you today. Absolutely. It's great to have you. And I always want to make sure that our audience uh, can fully actualize how blessed they are to hear from some of our guests. So I love giving the floor to the guests, letting them introduce themselves and what they do, what brings them here today. And then we can jump into uh, some of the questions and some of the subject matter about maybe living our lives through our career. All right. Great. Well, like you said, my name is Tina Everett. I'm the CEO of Claim the Lead. Claim the Lead is a personal growth and a professional development company. We help students and professionals at all stages and levels of their careers find happiness and empowerment in their lives. So I think of myself as a guide who really walks alongside you. I see myself really ensuring that you have what you need to get to where you want to go. But often the first step is finding clarity in who you are and who you want to become, and where do you want to go? And then the next step is really about trying new things, gaining confidence, and then finally building that momentum to create a life that feels aligned with your purpose. You know, you hear about your why. And so my why, why I do what I do, is to really inspire others to build a purposeful life so that together we create more joy in the world. That's amazing. And I know so many people don't take the time to fully kind of not only explore their why, but have it written out almost as a personal mission statement. And that takes some self-discovery. I imagine it, it takes a journey to get to that point. 2020 to 2021, this pandemic, like it or not, has put a lot of folks in the thick of that uncertainty and maybe they find themselves embarking on some of them these steps uh, without wanting to do so. And here they are, whether they're furloughed, laid off, or maybe working from home, they realize how much they love or don't love their career. That could be a very stressful thing to be in. So how do we know? I guess the first question is, how do we know if we are in the right career path? <laughs> well, a lot of people who come to me, they have this question, like there they say to me, I'm not happy. I'm not happy in my career. So it's really unpacking that. Is it your career that you're not happy with? So I have a lot of, I'm a counselor. So we look holistically. What, what are the things in your life that aren't working, right? Can we shine a light on that? And at the same time, let's look at what is working. So it's a process of sort of evaluating, right? What's not working. And then also taking a step back and really getting clear on, well, you know, my, let's say my job is asking me to get up at four in the morning and do these certain tasks. Well, I'm a night person 
and I don't like doing this. So obviously that's not going to be a good fit, right? So it's really getting an idea of, I mean, taking several steps back and, you know, really looking at uh, dissecting what is going on. What are the things that you're engaging in that are draining your energy, you know, and what are the things that are where you're gaining energy? That's a great place to start just to assess that process. Yes. Starting with the auditing process and you kind of, you hit me with my soul when you talked about a job making you wake up early and you're a night person (laughs) because I wake up very early for my job and I am typically a night person, but I kind of adjust for the necessity of the job. But I do want to ask this kind of to that point for folks who say, okay, you know, I'm just not happy at work. I'm the son of two immigrants who are probably the hardest working people I know. And I know a lot of people can say that statement, but I just say that as a reference to, if I told my mom or dad, Hey, I'm just not happy at work. They would probably tell me to deal with it, which might not be the best way to approach it. But I guess the question here is how can we decide if we're just having a rough patch at work? Maybe we're undergoing a growth period at work, or if in fact, this is just not serving us as a career. Is there a way to kind of decipher the difference? Yeah, I'm going to take us back a little bit. I think that, you know, think about it. We live in really, the world is busy. So many things in our day are competing with our time and our attention. And we can so easily get pulled in many different directions all at one time. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, we lose sight of what's most important in our lives. Or maybe we've never took the time to really reflect on what's most important in our lives until we have maybe a wake-up call. So maybe that's a divorce. Maybe it's a life-threatening illness. Maybe it's a job loss. You know, some kind of event that causes us to stop and reflect on what's going on in this moment. And it's in these moments that we can plant the seeds for transformation, which are like rich opportunities to create significant change that leads to living a more purposeful life. So when you're in a situation, right, where you're like, I'm not happy. This isn't working. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like this task. I got to get up too early. You know, there's a phrase called job crafting. And it really does go back to, you know, what are the things that are within my control to change? And focusing your time and energy on that for sure. And then when you do a bit of self-exploration around what it is that you want to develop and who you want to become, you can look at, well, how can I actually take advantage of that or be proactive in my current situation? You know, how can I make it better? So if we think about oftentimes, since I live in Colorado, I think about if we're going to go, I'm going to guide you up the top of a 14,000 foot mountain, and you don't know that it could rain heavily, like we could run into an afternoon thunder shower, and you don't bring the right gear, then you may not make it to the top. And unfortunately, you might feel like you failed. But if you know ahead of time what you need to prepare, then you might arrive at a situation along that trail where you just have to dig deep. You have to get, you're going to get uncomfortable, you're going to get wet, we're going to pause for a while, right? Take a break until the storm passes over. And then the sun comes out and we can continue along the way. So it's part of that whole idea around grit and resilience and knowing your stress tolerances, just really knowing yourself, what's within your control to change in your environment. Focus your time and energy on that. Everything else, we can't really change the weather patterns, right? I'm talking to a meteorologist, (laughs) uh, you know, but we can prepare for what's to come. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I might use that example you just shared as a no rain, no rainbow story, by the way, that was, that was perfectly, <laughs> perfectly depicted. But the thing about that is the belief at the bottom of the mountain that you can make it to the top. And regardless of the storm, regardless of, I mean, obviously you want to pack appropriately and have the right tools, but with the belief of making it to the top, some people have to start there before they can start the journey. And I'm going to I parallel that with the situation of, let's say we realize we're in the wrong career path. We're not sure what we want to do. The job search can seem so daunting and we might be connected to how deep we've already gone in the career path that we're in. We see more of what we're going to lose instead of the possibilities and the mountaintop that we can reach. We're more or less looking at this mountain, which is a job search, and we just don't want to take that trek. How can we, I guess, best prepare ourselves for a job search? What strategies can we take to make it successful and manage that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a tough, tough place to be. A lot of people come to me in that place. And I think one of the biggest problems, their pain point at that point is they don't see the opportunities. They just know that they're deeply unhappy and they've been maybe in this career path for a long time. They can't see the meadow ahead. They just just know they need out, right? So obviously creating a plan is important. You know, if you're going to climb that mountain, you need a plan, you need a map, you need to get into physical shape. So that job search, that planning is doing some work with someone to help you start to see what the options are and come up with a plan so that you're not like just leaving your job. You know, you're doing it in a calculated way so that you're starting to see what's possible. You're starting to see what your choices are. You're starting to see more opportunities to get to the top. There's not just one way, right? Or maybe you're just looking at the next steps in front of you. I'm using the mountain as an analogy. Maybe it's just you want to get to the meadow. So oftentimes when we feel so stuck, it's because we don't realize we have choice. And no matter what your background is. So I can speak to my background. I think it's a little bit different than yours, Ted, where I came from a family where I didn't have any guidance. I had support. I mean, it wasn't like a horrible upbringing, but nobody was asking me powerful questions. No one was challenging me. So when I got in situations in adulthood, say in my career that weren't working, I was paralyzed because there were no choices. I didn't have support. I kind of collapsed, you know, and then I would stay in those situations way too long until there was that wake up call. Mm -hmm. If you've had support, then remember what that's like and ask yourself, what is it that I need to learn more about? Who do I need to talk to? What are the questions I need answered in order to be able to get unstuck a little bit and start taking a few steps no matter what direction you're going in, if you're moving, you can course correct. It's when we're stuck in that mindset, not believing that we have any choices. That is a danger zone, I would say. It's like we don't want to stay there too long. Now, the opposite can also be paralyzing where we don't see the choices we have. But what if we see too many choices? What if we're uh, paralyzed by the amount of possibilities and the things that are in front of us. And we just sit there paralyzed with the, <laughs> all the different roads we could take. So we don't take any. How do we yes. instill action in those people? 
Yes. Oh, I can relate to that too. Yes. It's about finding a, a way to, well, gosh, it's like, let's say you're hungry and you go to the store, you go to the grocery store and you're like, you don't know what you, you can't decide, you know, someone has to say, do you want, you know, A, B or C? So how do you determine that? So it's, again, going through that process, getting a bit clear about what are your requirements? What are the things that are non-negotiable for you? And starting there, that's a process, but being able to, you know, maybe reprioritize all those ideas, categorize them in some way, and then go out and try things, right? You have to go out and experiment. You can learn something in a book. You can learn something from talking to somebody, but it's actually going out and experiencing the rain, the storm, the rainbow, all of that. So, you know, there is that process of like, I have all these ideas. I can't go after all of them. How do I start to maybe go from 100 ideas to 50 ideas? What are the non-negotiables? What are the things that you absolutely have to have in order to feel successful or to be happy? They're non-negotiable. That's a big question, but that's an important question to have even in our in our love life, (laughs) that comes from my background as a marriage and family therapist, you know, because if you compromise, you will end up faced with unsolvable problems. If you know, you do not want to work the night shift and you say yes, because it comes with a whole bunch of other perks that isn't going to last very long because your requirement was, I need to work from nine to five with no travel or whatever it is for you. Yeah. So the interesting here to think with this too, with all the choices that we have, and you mentioned trying new things, there's this, I guess, commitment where if you pick a career, you know, and I mentioned my parents before, my mom was someone, she picked her career. She was in there for 30 plus years, got pension, retirement, very loyal to the company. I think nowadays we've seen a different trend amongst mainly millennials that will work a job, maybe three, five years go to another company, probably still in the same field in the same career. But I guess touch on really quick what it's like, the commitment that we make to the career or the job that we do, and realistically, how long that commitment can actually be. Yeah. Commitment, meaning how long do you commit to a specific company? Yeah. Company or even a field. Because I think we see an opportunity and some of us that May get paralyzed by all of the different things in front of us. We're afraid to pick one because we think there's no going back to try a different one. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, what can be helpful is thinking about the industry that you're in, the current role you're in. Where can that lead? So, maybe having a bit of a vision, right? Five years out, ten years out, or even maybe starting with three years out, like kind of having an idea. So, when I was early in my career, I had no, I could only deal with the day in front of me. That's more that survival mode, right? Not having the support. So having a bit of a vision, a bit of a plan that evolves with time for sure. And you're absolutely right. This day and age, a lot of people will stay in a job for maybe three, four years, and then maybe they'll shift industries or they'll change careers. They're open to new things more than our parents' generation where they perhaps stayed in the job, one job, one company for their whole career. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as that is aligned with your purpose, right? And you're happy and it's serving you. So 
I forget exactly what your question was, but I think I'm normalizing a little bit of that. And when do you know? It's knowing what your plan is. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay in this job for, let's say, three years because I'm going to be able to develop these certain skills. And then once I develop those skills or I start to feel bored, I want to make sure I'm networking and I'm always open to more opportunities. And one thing I think the younger generation gets hung up on is that they get in this mindset that they should be able to master something really quickly and oftentimes takes time. So it takes time to develop certain skills and to become competent and confident. And that's what skill building is. And the more you're able to manage, know who you are and manage other stressors in your life, like your time and your energy, the quicker that'll happen. But it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So to go from, let's say, an entry-level position to a senior executive-level position in a year is a stretch. So if that is something you're wanting to do, then have a plan in place to get there as fast as you can. But don't expect that you're going to skip things along the way, if that makes sense. I've seen a lot of clients get discouraged by that because they feel really confident or they just want to get there. But it is a process. And it's one of the career tools is really networking and building those relationships and working on your skill development. Yeah. Career skills and life skills. Yeah, that's. I think that's the perfect answer to the question because it breaks down, it goes back to the intentionality and, and the clarity of vision, but it also talks about not being ashamed to serve a career, get the skills from it, and then move on and maybe go on to the next thing. I think a lot of people, kind of what you alluded to, they look for the progression and the increase in their career quickly. And it doesn't always come like that. Anybody has the ambition of being an executive level in their career. That's not going to take two, three years. You're probably looking closer to seven or eight, if not more. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book outlier says 10,000 hours to become an expert in a field. So you're looking at about 10 years in a field before you could really be considered an expert. And quite frankly, if your intention is to be an expert in that field, then understand the length of time or commitment that might have to be given to it. But if you're looking to maybe dabble, see if you like it, see if it's for you, that can have a much shorter of a commitment. So I think that answers the question perfectly in terms of someone's intentionality going into it. Speaking of going into it, I want to talk about going into the work week. Some people might feel they call it the Sunday scaries or the the case of the Mondays and all that. Help us out. Give us and the listeners a little bit of encouragement. Can you get rid of the Sunday scaries? Is there such thing as a life with no case of the Mondays where you could wake up Monday morning, happy, fulfilled and excited to do what it is you're about to do for the work week? I think so, because I get excited. Now, Mondays aren't my favorite day of the week. I think I prefer Thursdays, but... Absolutely. I think if you really enjoy your work and you have a life outside of work, I often will challenge my clients by asking them, you know, think about the three, let's say three things, three things, you know, you need to do pretty regularly, maybe not every day, but pretty regularly for you to feel your best, for you to show up your best. So for me, it's high intensity exercise, it's quality sleep. And it's eating really healthy. If I let any one of those three things go for too long, then I wake up any day and it's not a good day. And that's amplified on a Monday. 
right? Because I'm still thinking about what I didn't get to on the weekend and I'm not feeling good. So across the board, I think any day of the week, but particularly let's make sure you're doing what you need to do on the weekend. You know, there's a balance of having fun and doing those, let's say top three things regularly that you know you need to do to take the best care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can relate. Mine is meditating, uh, working out and also eating. I need to work on my sleeping though. I don't get much sleep, but that's also because I wake up very early. So you mentioned the importance of clarity and earlier how clear you are on your why. How does that play into effect? How important is it for folks to really do that work on understanding their why and how can that benefit them in their career path? Yeah, your why evolves. So you don't all of a sudden get your why and then, you know, the clouds separate and the sun comes out and there's a <laughs> rainbow and a unicorn. It's really can be your, your guiding light, your North Star. You know, what do you aspire? Who do you want to become? Are there people in your life that you admire, whether they're people in your family or celebrities, you know, people you don't actually know? Who do you want to become? What is it that lights you up? What gives you energy, right? The process of, for me, coming up with a single sentence for a why was quite a process of really getting clear about what is the purpose of my work and what's my calling or how do I want to express that purpose? And that's through the coaching practice and being an entrepreneur and having my own business that's focused on personal and professional growth. Right. So I hope that answers your question. But that why is, is your North Star? It's like, why am I doing this? And, you know, as a therapist, we love the question, why, 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 why? However, I'm not talking about it in that way. We need to at some point get over our past and move forward. But it can be really helpful to ask yourself, you know, why is it that I'm continuing to stay in this job if I'm complaining more about it than not, you know, why am I continuing to do that? So then we can look at some self-limiting beliefs. Why are we sabotaging? So we can go deep into that, right? But the why more is like, wow, why am I going to ride a hundred miles? This is what I did on Sunday (laughs) and spend six and a half hours in the saddle of my bike, right? And push myself that hard. Why? Right. So it's an interesting question, but it's an evolution, right? You can use it in different areas of your life to get in touch with what do you aspire to? Mm-hmm. What lights you up? What, again, gives you energy? Mm-hmm. Because things are going to get hard. So you have to be able to push through to a certain point and relax. That's the, the why. The why helps you stay focused and anchored. Yeah, I know uh, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search of Meaning, says uh, anyone who has their why can withstand almost any how. And it's that push through those difficult times that the connection to our why kind of gives us the feel to get through it. I want to maybe pull back the curtain a little bit on your personal career journey. You've alluded it to a little bit before, and we know as someone who's going through the thick of the storm, sometimes the best person to lead them through it is someone else who's gone through it themselves. So what was your journey like? I know you mentioned the lack of support in kind of asking those deep questions and everything. How did that play out? And what was the process like going from the thick of it in your storm to the now rainbows where you're, you're able to guide others through their journey mm. of finding their career? 
Yeah. So I think I'd like to start this story out by giving an example of if, if you've ever been in a situation where the lights went out, where you were in an environment that was pitch dark, you know, the dark where you can't even see your face in front of you. Have you ever been in that situation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of where that would be, but I know what it feels like. And in that situation, if you don't know the environment, let's say you're not in a familiar setting, like of your home, all of a sudden you have to tap into other senses to feel your way forward. You know, you don't have a visual in your mind of where you are, where are the walls, what's in front of you. So you're forced to really drop inward and really access other senses. And maybe that's your intuition, right? So that was kind of like what it was like when I was younger is like, I felt like I was I had no light, like no guidance, nobody really asking me questions. So I was, everything was happening happenstance. And when I got into college, that was one goal. Like I'm going to apply and I'm going to get into this liberal arts school. And when I got in, and then when I got there, I met my goal, but I had no idea. Then I had to figure out how am I going to do this? How am I going to manage my life? Like it was such an adjustment, right? Managing a schedule, a new social life, being away from home for the first time and all that. So I ended up okay. I mean, I picked a a degree in biology, but when I graduated from college, I had an enormous student loan and I didn't want to go back home. Like I just didn't know what to do. Again, I was, I remember the anxiety, like, oh my gosh, I graduated. Now what? I didn't plan. So anyway, long story short, I ended up going to Alaska where I worked as a fish biologist. And that was a big, big transformation in my life because I went from growing up in the Midwest in the 80s. We went to the mall. You know, I was in athletics. I don't know, like you did all those things. And then I was in the middle of nowhere and I was really forced to go back and go inward and really listen and process a lot of stuff of like, what was it that I wanted and experiment with new things. But that's where I learned a lot of life skills, like life skills, like grit and how to like survive in the wilderness in a way that was not like survival scary, but some really great skills in terms of how to deal with stressors and things. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I moved into the city and started to explore different parts of my career. So in a nutshell, I I changed my career probably seven, eight times since I graduated from college. And although if you look at it like fish biologist, you know, body worker, yoga instructor, working at a pain clinic, psychotherapist, like all the way, I mean, all all the other things, I was a boat builder and a nature guide, like all these things in Alaska, (laughs) crazy (laughs) lifeguard. I mean, up until now, if you look at the skills that I developed, it makes sense. They were all stepping stones, right? Mm-hmm. But it was me going, ah, I think I'm going to do this. I'm in the dark here. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try it out. I usually try it out for three years and then I'd hit a dead end. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to gather up all the skills and all the experiences I just had. I'm going to back up. And that's where I could have used some professional guidance to help me get clear on the next direction. The next direction, I, this is exciting. I'm going to try this for three years, hit a wall, back up. So what I love to do is really guide people so they don't have to go down so many dead end roads. And, you know, I wouldn't change it, but I wasted a lot of time and energy and resources doing that. But that's why I love what I do, because if someone needs to go down a dead end road, that's fine. 
but I don't think we really need to go down so, so many, but that was my journey. And that was a result of not having the guidance, but kind of feeling like I was in the dark and just kind of going with my gut. So everything that I ended up doing built my character and prepared me for where I am now. I wasn't someone who did a ton of things because I thought I should do it because I wasn't having the shoulds on me where I know some people end up like they go, Oh my gosh, I became an attorney because that was what I should do. And that isn't not what I want to do. I want to be a veterinarian. Yeah. So I think that journey you just described is something that a lot of folks can relate to in terms of finding themselves in a career. They're not really sure what they're doing and they start exploring other options. And I love that you share that because it's important to share that that's okay. And um, this actually just came to mind when you were kind of talking about the different careers you've done. I did a quick mental check of, of what I've done in the past. And, and I wonder if you'd recommend this because when I was in college, my junior year or senior year, I actually worked with a temp agency in the college and they would send me out on random one or two day jobs, whether it was working concessions for the convention center that was having a concert. So I was working the concessions and serving beer for a country concert one weekend. The next weekend I was testing a video game for a video game company. The following weekend I was moving mattresses, but I had all these different experiences, found out a lot of things I didn't want to do, found out things that were kind of cool, but not something I want to do long-term. Would you recommend a situation like that for folks maybe to just try a whole bunch of different jobs, careers, and see? Absolutely. Think about when you first start working. I mean, when I turned 15, I think I had three jobs Mm -hmm. because I grew up in a blue collar environment. You know, you work hard and I wanted to be independent, but those were jobs, meaning they weren't really career oriented, working at a yogurt shop or selling tickets, not necessarily, but they gave me experience. They helped me learn about myself, that me try things on and feel what it was like to earn an income, right? And so those experiences can create ahas in terms of what you might do later, right? Or maybe you meet someone who was really a mentor to you that made a huge impact, And this just recently happened with one of my clients as they were thinking about, well, what do I want to do? And they're like, oh my gosh, I want to be that mentor. I want to be that person in my field as an architect in fine arts, because that was a pivotal point for me in my career, Mm -hmm. right? So there's so many experiences we have and so many opportunities that we gather that make us unique and that are clues about what's going to lead us to a life of fulfillment and purpose and intention and prosperity. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Tina, I want to make sure that our viewers, our watchers, our listeners, they all have an ability to reach out to you, get some more, maybe coaching from you, learn for some of the things that you offer and maybe help them find their true full career path that they belong into. Because I think we all deserve to live a life without the Sunday scaries or the case of the Mondays. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think the best place to go is my website. It's mm-hmm. Tina, spelled big T, double E N A, Evert, E V E R T dot com. And I also have a podcast called The Confident Careerist. Perfect. I'm going to be sure to have those links in the show notes so folks can hop on that as well. And they'll be 
able to click those links and get directly to your website, reach out if they think they could use your services. But I just want to recap some of the gems and the tips you left along the way throughout the episode in case anybody missed it. But what you started with was finding your clarity. And I think that's so important. A lot of us pick our majors. We pick our careers when we're at the tail end of high school, going into college. And I know we're so young, we still have so much life to live. And we don't necessarily go through that work of finding our clarity at that age. So if you're someone listening, you're knee deep in the career, you're not sure it's for you, kind of doing that hard work, as Tina was mentioning, asking yourselves those tough questions about yourself might help you find the path that you really want to take on the outside. And then what's most important to us? What's most important to you? Sometimes we work a job so hard and then it takes a sickness or maybe the breaking up of a relationship or the loss of something that we have to remind us of how important it was to us. And suddenly that career, that job doesn't seem as important when you could see the other things fall by the wayside. And I think that also kind of parallels perfectly with something else Tina said later on in the episode is, you know, have a life outside of work. Work is, sure, a major part of what we do day in and day out, but it's not the only thing we do. And the balance outside of work can maybe even accentuate the things that happen while we are at work. Job crafting, thinking about the things we can control, not worrying about the things that we can't, understanding that the power is in our hands and that there is a plethora of choices out there in front of us. We might not fully understand how the skills of our career's path can come together towards the next one. But obviously the dots connect in hindsight. And it's not until we take that journey that we really start to put the pen to paper or the brush strokes to the canvas that we really start to get that picture. And then also your why evolves, getting in touch with that why, allowing it to evolve, going through that process, and then trusting some of that intuition. And the main thing Tina hit on multiple times is, you know, not doing it alone. Why do it alone? Reach out find help, find a coach like Tina, find someone who knows you that you might trust that you've been vulnerable with, who can tell you about yourself as well and bring all that information together to really craft what it is that might give you that fulfilling journey in your career that I know you all deserve. Tina, thank you so much for sharing with us today and taking the time. Wow. Great summary. Thank you, Ted. It was such a pleasure speaking with you and I hope we brought value to your listeners. Absolutely. Tina, it was a pleasure. And to the listeners and the watchers, thank you for making it to the end. Hope you got value from this podcast. I know you did, which is why I'm going to ask you to share it with a friend or someone you know can benefit from it as well. Hit that like button and don't forget to hit the subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week. And of course, leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing. That's the only way we can improve is when you communicate with us and we find out where we can get a little bit better. And also, if you really love the podcast, and you want to support monetarily, you can support for as little as $1 a month on our Patreon page. You can get extra audio from our guests like Tina and others. And of course, we'll also post some behind the scenes pictures and things like that there as well. We appreciate you guys rocking with us. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.